HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Kane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.kane5.com. Boys, I'm mellow as a honeydew. Yeah, that cat is high. Look that look in his eye. Oh, man, he's high. Yes, higher than a kite. That cat is high. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Today in the studio, uh, Good friend and great bartender, Maxwell Britton from Maison Premier. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, you are a, a Tucson, Arizona native. Correct. That moved to the city, what, like five years ago? Five, six years ago, yeah. Cool. Now, were you bartending before? Or, I mean, you were probably not. <laughs> were you, like, working in the industry before? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was. Uh, my first job was busting tables at a Mexican restaurant when I was 16, um, which turned into bar backing over there, and I kind of had a lo- couple other bar backing gigs along the way. Lots of uh, lots of drinking to be done out there in the desert. Oh yeah, yeah. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of stuff to do out there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, you uh, you moved here about five years ago, and uh, I first met you when you were working uh, under Damon Dyer at uh, Jack the Horse. Right. Yeah. Who's a really great bartender. I always call him the other Damon. The other Damon. Yeah. We're the, we're the two Damons. He's, uh-huh. he's the other Damon, even <laughs> though he was probably on the scene long before I was. I'm not trying to date him or anything, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so uh, I met you uh, a while back when I was working at Linnell's in Red Hook, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember thinking, like, who the hell is this young guy like coming in and buying bitters? And <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, then it turned into uh, you were bar backing there with uh, Damon Dyer, correct? I was actually, no, I was serving, I was a runner there. I okay. started as a runner, I helped them open the place, and uh Damon was the head bartender and bar manager over there. And I, um, you know, after just a couple of days with working with him, I saw him behind the bar and I was like, what in the hell is this guy doing? Like, what <laughs> is going on back there? And so that just kind of turned into staying late, coming early, asking lots of questions, stealing books from his library, yeah. all that sort of stuff. And eventually, you know, like I was promoted and was able to pick up a couple of shifts behind the bar. And uh, that's kind of how, how it all started for me, pretty much. You and, uh, you and Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron actually came along a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, I don't think, yeah, Damon wasn't actually there when Eamon came in. Um, but yeah, he was definitely quite influenced by um, what Damon had left behind as I was. And you guys were doing things like uh, 
making your own bitters and you know doing yeah we were doing syrups I mean, and stuff like yeah that. we were making our own bitters doing lots of infusions making we keeping it block real. ice yeah keeping it real <laughs> fucking ourselves out you know <laughs> cool um what you uh, mentioned uh uh books that you were you you would uh, uh borrow from damon right and uh I, w- I remember we were talking about uh last night uh we were talking about uh uh, the Charles H. Baker book, mm-hmm. uh, Jigger Beaker, Jigger Beaker Flask, Flask, Drinking Around the World, yeah. which is one of the greatest, he's probably the greatest cocktail writer, just his Absolutely. wit and his charm, you know. Yeah. Um, but that was actually a gift that was given to you by Sinjin Frizzell right. from uh, Fort Defiance, yeah. who used to write for Bon Appetit and yeah. uh, worked at Pegu Club and stuff. Right, yeah. Um, so from the time that you got that book had you read it before no i didn't even i mean i knew about it i knew it was this like famous relic you know and mm-hmm. it was something that um it was just like this like bespoke you know historic piece of history you know yeah. um that a lot, like some people i heard talk about and uh i knew that sinjin was like a major like supporter Huge like just like, i mean he's like he's like the, he, like, the go to charles h baker guy yeah it's like um, david wondrich yeah with jerry thomas right sinjin with uh with Charles H. Baker. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. It, so, yeah, he. Uh, what, what happened was, um, I as you, you know, like you saw me in Linnell's a lot, and I hung out in Red Hook a lot, um, and that was because Jack the Horse is nearby, mm-hmm. and uh, I became friends with people over the Bait and Tackle, and mm-hmm. I actually was cause since I was only bartending two nights a week at Jack the Horse, um, Aaron Sullivan was kind enough to see me as this young guy, you know, kind of like, oh man, he's hungry for some shifts, and she kicked me some shifts over Bait and Tackle. Right. And uh, so I hung out down there a lot, and Senjin kind of like, he took me under his wing, and he saw how passionate I was. And uh, one night I was having dinner at uh, the, uh, the, Good Fork. the Good Fork, and I was sitting at the bar, and he's like, "Hey man, um, I got to show you something really cool." And he like went outside and came back and had um, handed me like this like old, you know, uh, two volume like uh, set of books. And I'm like, "What is this? What is this?" And I see it's Around the World with a Jigger Beaker and Flask, Volume One uh, with a food, what jigger beaker and flask in volume two uh fork knife and spoon and i was like oh man this is really cool right on you know and i'm like flipping through it you know excited to see it and then i'm trying to hand it back to him and he was just like no man this is yours and i'm like what nice and he and i'm just like oh my god dude like this is amazing and so that was kind of my very first introduction to like that style of making drinks and that sort of like sort of trying to uh, recreate, you know, yeah. those those drinks. That was a very gentlemanly move on on his behalf. Oh yeah, definitely, extremely book, influential. Extremely with a book called The Gentleman's Companion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that uh, really changed my whole career, pretty much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and that um, after you had read this book, after you would started working in more of the like classic cocktail field. Um, you actually took inspiration from the title of that book to yeah. start when you started doing some consulting work yeah. and freelance work with different bars, yeah. and spirits companies. Your company is actually called Jigger Beaker Flask. Yeah, I mean, it was just really just kind of given given it a name. You know, a lot of bartenders have some really like you know they have similar sounding um, you know company titles. Um, I think I think Brian Miller's is uh, Double Windsor. Um, mm-hmm. Chad Solomon and uh, Christy Pope is uh, I think it's Cuff, Cuff and, and Buttons. buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, which is actually like a catering. Right. Company. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I kind of took a nod from that, you know. But I also really liked the way that it sounded. It kind of reminded me, like, kind of of like a law firm or something. I remember you, you know? telling me that. That's really yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> it looks cool on a on a business card. Yeah. Too. Totally. Um. So, and that that's actually something you were doing with your brother. 
Yeah, yeah, and we still kind of do it a little bit, but recently him and I have been doing a lot of independent projects. He's doing some stuff in Queens. I was doing a project in the Lower East Side before I started doing Mason Premiere, and um, it was just a little, it just was a better fit for me, you know, but I, you know, that's a good thing about having a consulting company, you know, I was like, well, I can't, I don't think I can do this project any longer, but, you know, like, you know, that doesn't mean I can't do business with you. You know, I can get my bro- my partner over here, my brother, and he can pick it up. And yeah, absolutely. so, yeah, that place is called Apple and he's going to be opening, I think, in May or something like that. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, your brother, he's actually bar manager or? He was a bar manager at the Ondas in Fifth Avenue okay. that mm-hmm. was uh, put together through Alchemy Consulting and he kind of spearheaded the project for them for about six months. Cool. Yeah, he's kind of a free agent again. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I remember meeting him. I actually went over there with you that yeah. one night. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. After, that was a good time. After some, some crazy event. The Bacardi <laughs> Ultimate Spirits oh, yeah. Challenge they deal. St- they still haven't paid me for that. <laughs> oh, man. Call these guys up. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, uh, a little bit more about uh, Maison Premier. Uh, you are the beverage director and marketing manager there which Mm -hmm. sounds very official (laughs) but essentially you're like you're running the bar program bar managing you know you do you bartend a little bit over there yeah um i get the chance to still be behind the bar on friday and saturday nights um and we're open till 4 a.m every single night and uh you know we really get get our asses kicked yeah and uh you know it's a little different since i'm used to kind of you know i used to be kind of behind the bar all the time now it's only like once or twice a week and I go and get my ass handed to me until like six in the morning or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh. oh man, I can't, <laughs> I, I don't remember the last time that I worked till four in the morning at yeah. a bar, but I, I, I do remember those times and they were pretty brutal. Um, so ha- my hat's off to you. Um, and you guys have a very like old school, like New Orleans style kind of like vibe. You've mm-hmm. got, you know, obviously you've got like the, the absinthe, program right. and oysters you've got my favorite uh oyster shucker in the city eddie oysters, eddie oysters yep um who works at primates he works at jimmy's 43 yeah he actually won the competition last year the new york city like oyster shucking competition i believe it yeah, yeah he did i mean yeah. he's like he's like officially right the best oyster. well one thing you know like monday through friday from four to seven uh we do our oyster happy hour we do one dollar oysters and uh right now we have a little bit over 30 varieties of oysters I mean, it just turns into a complete zoo. And so uh, we're lucky to have a guy like him get behind there, and he's just, you know, cranking them out. Like, totally. You, get the, you come there at, like, 5.30 or 6 o'clock, and more than half of the bar is sitting there with, like, three tiers of oysters, you know, and drinking <laughs> they got, like, tons the plateau of plateau going. And, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, That's, it's pretty cool. Now, okay, so <laughs> I, I, love, I love that that is uh, just, like, the image that just popped in my head. It's like I haven't been there for happy hour, but it, I have been there late night. Right. Um, it's it's such a decadent you know, like you know visual you know yeah. like yeah yeah oysters and absinthe and just like this decadent like like general like revelry just like all over the place nice mm-hmm. music you know just having fun like enjoying life yeah isn't that like do you do you find that uh, I don't know I, I hate I hate when people talk about recession time and stuff mm-hmm. I, I feel like this I don't want to get political but I feel like we're kind of like pulling out of it but mm-hmm. um, isn't it kind of uh i don't know do do you feel like that kind of like situation with uh just like that kind of decadence and like that fun environment do you feel like it's something that people like look forward to because they're you know 
not able to spend you know as much on like the rent stuff so whenever they get a chance to come to your place and like they just blow it up you know yeah i mean i don't know i mean i've never really thought of it that way um i mean in terms of recession and and sort of like decadence and going out and enjoying yourself the way that you might when you know like you're more affluent um I, i think that's just one thing about like uh the demand of of our culture which is you know like we don't a lot of people still don't compromise those things even when you know like funds are low yeah you know like people at least in new york you know like we all work really hard and you know they're still still going after it no work what, really hard know? long ass winter right you know, and that's like, lucky there's gotta for, be a silver lining somewhere right. and for us i mean that's lucky for us because we haven't really had to experience very much of you know the hardships that most people have had yeah. in the recession so it's awesome yeah. especially um coming up pretty soon well i mean we're as we're moving into the spring i, I saw last night uh the backyard of yeah. maison premiere so yeah. that's going to be it's going to add to the uh yeah the excitement doubling doubling our capacity uh a thousand square foot patio garden putting in uh another oyster station we're going to be doing um another service bar outside right? outside cool. yeah uh it's going to be really exciting there's a lot a lot of stuff we have coming up for that Expansion is always a good thing. Yeah. I mean, like it's it's always a very exciting thing. Uh, and uh, I, just looking at that backyard last night, I was thinking about how how far into debt <laughs> back on that subject that I'm going to go into this summer, <laughs> yeah. hanging out at your bar. Right. Um. So it's been open now for two months. Yeah. Um. And uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you said like you, it's been blowing up. You know, the happy hour has been great. You've got uh, great guys behind uh, chucking. You've got great people behind the stick mm-hmm. making drinks. Yeah, totally. Um, as far as I wanted to ask you to bring one of your cocktail menus, but I totally forgot to. But that's fine. Uh, you can just like give us a rundown of sure. some of the uh, some of the kinds of cocktails that are being made there. Right. Obviously, you know, like New Orleans style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But once you uh, tell us a little sure, bit, sure. Yeah, that. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be. Uh, I mean, right now it's actually um, sort of minimal. It's eight cocktails mm-hmm. at the top of the menu. Um, half of them are very classic, um, almost rare, rarely known by some uh, mm-hmm. New Orleans cocktails, uh, like the Obituary mm-hmm. and the Old Hickory, which was actually named after Andrew Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. The what else do we have on there? I mean, we have the Absinthe Frap, the Opal, mm-hmm. um, and oh, then the Opal, yeah, right. <laughs> and then we have uh, we have some some of our contemporary inspired. Um, cocktails that are on the menu that still kind of try to stay in that same vein using, you know, things like Peychaud's and the the Creole bitters by the Bitter yeah. Truth, and uh, we have a cocktail on the menu that was inspired by one of my favorite drinks I was telling you about last night, the um, the Jimmy Roosevelt. This one's called the Saint Helena, which is named after the island that Napoleon was exiled on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a cool drink. It's yellow chartreuse, champagne, aquavit, sugar cane rinse. Um, sugar cube soaked with bitters we were talking yeah. about the sugar cane rinse last night yeah it's it's a it's a pretty i i love it i think that's a it's a bold move it's yeah. like <laughs> it's it's really we were talking about the uh the ceremony of the drink last night yeah. too and uh-huh. like how that uh that really plays into it you know it's yeah. very ceremonial like the, yeah. the production you know that's really important to me um and it's really important to us at mason premiere and i think that's kind of like what really got me into cocktails in the first place you know I mean, I was telling you, um, you know, like back in high school, you know, I was definitely like an avid uh, stoner, you know, and um, <laughs> that whole ceremony is kind of what always appealed to me. It was just kind of like sitting down and sort of pre- making, doing this preparation and this ritual. Um, and that's kind of like what our absinthe fountain represents. And that's sort of like what cocktails represent to me is just these very like 
classical traditional ceremonies that you perform, you yeah. know, um, that, that people have always enjoyed for a really long time, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ceremonial, uh, procedures, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more. I, I want to go into depth about, uh, absinthe and dispel some myths and talk about the actual technicalities of the production and, uh, yeah, then we'll talk more about being stoners growing up. Cool. But uh, <laughs> we're... <laughs> service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m., Chef Erica Wides hits the airwaves to become your own personal chef instructor. Chef Wides, along with esteemed guests from the culinary world, dissect topics that range from the complex to the deceptively simple, combining classic culinary know-how, personal experiences, and the occasional virtual history lesson. Why We Cook is a great listen for culinary vets and rookies alike. Again, that's Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. We are back at the Speakeasy. I'm your host, Damon Bolte. Today, our guest is Maxwell Britton, bar manager, beverage director, marketing manager of <laughs> Maison Premier. Before we took the break, we were talking uh, about a little bit about absinthe and a little bit about being stoners growing up. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, tell us, uh, t- give us a little anecdote about uh, growing up in, uh, in-, <laughs> in Tucson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, we didn't have, there wasn't a lot to do, or at least, you know, uh, we didn't find any good reason to do anything better than uh, just sit down and smoke a bunch of weed with our buddies. You know, and of course that led to other things that, uh, other things that weren't good for us, but of course you do when you're, when you're young and stupid. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we did lots of mushrooms and LSD and peyote and, and all that stuff. And, um, so this is actually my first introduction to absinthe was we knew this guy, he was like a little bit older than all of us. And he, uh, he hung out with us a lot. And, uh, I guess he like one day, like decided, like figured out how to make absinthe or, I mean, he probably didn't make it at all, I'm sure, but like supposedly (laughs) he figured it out. And, uh, you know, like all we knew about it was that it was just like this like crazy thing that like artists used to trip out on and drink and get drunk off of and blah, blah, blah. Cut their ears off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we wanted to do that. And (laughs) 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 so we bought some off of, off of, uh, creepy Chris and, um, we, I don't know, we got stoned and forgot that we had it and left it in my friend's car. And we went to some house party like a few days later. And mind you, this is summertime, Tucson, Arizona, probably like 112 degrees outside. And uh, we're like, oh, man, we got that absinthe in the car. Let's, uh, let's, let's see how that goes. And so we go to the car, and the 
bottles steaming hot, you know, and it was, I mean, I'm, I'm certain it was like Everclear infused with some like dry store-bought absinthe or wormwood or whatever. Um, um. So anyways, we uh, we took some shots. It was steaming hot. Just this <laughs> super high hot proof. Hot absinthe sounds delicious. Yeah, super high proof Everclear. And uh, yeah, I mean, that didn't work out too well. Um, I mean, I my 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 guttural reaction was uh, pretty quick and uh, let's just say that Charlie's mom was pretty pissed off about the backseat of the car for, for <laughs> um, I was just thinking uh, the founder of this radio network uh, <laughs> he's really going to like this interview because he loves absinthe <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean moving on to I mean moving on to, to like later on you know after I mean after drinking illegitimate absinthe out of the backseat of my friend's mom's car um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be a part of the team at Mason Premier, uh, where we are inspired by, um, you know, old world New Orleans and, um, you know, like hotels of days gone by in New York right. and yeah. cafes in France. And, um, you know, over the years, I, I've been lucky enough to receive a great education from a lot of really, really experienced professionals. Um, and uh, so... You know, I'm, I'm now a lot more educated and a lot more familiar with uh, legitimate absinthe and what really makes absinthe. And right. um, I've definitely dispelled the myths of my own, you know, thinking mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, like, right. oh, yeah, you know, this thing is going to just make me trip out for, you know, six hours and it's going to be awesome. Um, and that's really not that's really not what absinthe is. That's really not what absinthe was ever intended right. to be. And um, I mean, I would say in a lot of cases when that has happened um, in regards to absinthe, it's normally been some kind of illegitimate absinthe, you know, probably some hooch that, you know, some undesirable person put in a pot still and threw in a bunch of gnarly ingredients and slapped the label on it and called it absinthe. And they could get away with that kind of thing back then because, you know, there was no regulation on alcohol. There's no, yeah, right. There was no regulation on it. There was also no regulation on what was called absent. But right. technically, right. Um, if you'd like to share <coughs> some of this education you're just talking about sure. with our listeners, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, you can buy these like absinthe kits online where basically you're just taking wormwood and infusing like a vodka or a high proof neutral spirit. Right. And that's not actually what absinthe is. It has to be legally distilled after it's infused right to be called absinthe right before you've got like upwards of like 400 parts per million of chemical thujone right after distillation is down around 10 which is the legal limit right right and thujone is what supposedly is what causes the these sort of like yeah. psychedelic um induces these psychedelic experiences but it's just kind of funny because i mean even in like what's called pre-ban absinthe which is like the absinthe that has like a high thujone content um, even back then there was, there's more Thujone content in a bowl of pasta and butter with sage mm-hmm. now than there was like in pre-band absinthe. <laughs> um, and it's just all about the SLA and, you know, um, importing and exporting laws and all that sort of stuff. But after, after all of that, you know, what makes an absinthe an absinthe is, you know, all natural ingredients, um, no coloring, no additives, no sugars. Uh, most of the time you're always going to end up with an, for a traditional absinthe you're going to see things like um, star anise is going to always be the most strong mm-hmm. component and flavor in absinthe and then after that you're going to have uh, star anise lemon balm fennel is very common mm-hmm. and then um, yeah I mean there's some people get get into some funky stuff and like to like, like stinging to, nettles and yeah, yeah yeah you know 
Starflower stock. Yeah. <laughs> Run in the mill type, yeah. type ingredients. Totally. You know? Um, so after, well, obviously, we have these, these myths about like absinthe and about making you trip. But really, I mean, if you drink enough of anything, it's right. going to make That's what you, I tell people all yeah. the time they come in. It's kind of, I mean, I feel some, sometimes, sometimes kind of bad for like sort of letting my customers down. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, so, um, you know, which one's going to make me trip out the most? And I'm like, listen, you don't have to even drink absinthe. You can drink a lot of booze and no matter what, that's going to yeah. just make you flip your lid. You know, I mean, totally. So and plus, like, I, I do feel like there's a, a euphoric state that you get from drinking absinthe. But yeah. I, I don't think it's because of the Thujon content. I, I always feel like any kind of herbal liqueur yeah. or, or spirit, I feel like it just kind of hits your system in a different way. And yeah. it, it's very light and refreshing it kind of makes you feel that way yeah. you know and uh also it's absinthe is really high proof i mean yeah that's also a big player in yeah and that, that anywhere from a lot i mean in most cases anywhere from 50 percent to 80 percent alcohol yeah i've never seen an absinthe that's less than 100 proof yeah, yeah. um so yeah definitely if you're, if you're drinking you know a, a couple of glasses of it you're probably gonna you know right yeah, and I mean traditionally, I mean traditionally, it's always served at about an ounce to an ounce and a quarter per serving, you know. Um, yeah. And so when you're dealing with like a seventy-five proof spirit, you know, um, that's you know why it's always drank with you know like four to six parts water most of the time. You know, it has to really be cut down. You know, and yeah. to get into that, that's like a whole a whole another thing. Adding yeah. the water just beyond it's a whole other show. Just beyond <laughs> yeah, di- diluting and everything. You know, it's about kind of like letting these like very subtle like subtleties bloom. You know, it's called the louche. You know, that's what the the, louche, kinda, like, yeah. what the louche does. When you it know, becomes kinda, opaque after yeah. the water comes, yeah, in. yeah, and it opens up like all these sort of underlying but, flavors. You know, like water and 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 cocktails, what? Well, yeah, it, it technically like uh, the definition of cocktail. You know, it's like sugar, water, bitters, and alcohol. Right. I mean, like Three waters. Waters in that yeah. uh, recipe for a reason. Yeah. It's waters in every cocktail. After mm-hmm. you stir it, after you shake it, every cocktail is about you know twenty percent water by the time it's in your glass. Right. And even when you do like whiskey tastings, you know, there are there's always some water around, so you can put the water in there, and water really breaks up the chemical compounds. Let's it bloom, and then with absinthe, it, it creates what you're just describing right. as the louche effect. Right. Um, that's what turns the absinthe from you know like a clear green to uh, a cloudy, pale like. Yeah, and for absinthe connoisseurs, you know, if you go on to, I should share this with you know the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do have an interest in absinthe and you don't know very much about it, and you'd like to kind of learn a little bit more about how to taste it, how to, how it's drank and how it's enjoyed. There's some really great websites and some great online communities that are major supporters and have really kept absinthe alive until places like Maison Premier has opened up or other places, you know, um, around the world. Um, there's the, the Wormwood Society, I think it's mm-hmm. wormwood.org. That's a really good one. And then there's, um, I, th- I think I want to say La Favert, but it might be just favert.com. And, um, you know, they sort of, they have like all these different rating systems, you know, mouthfeel, mm-hmm. louche action, totally. aroma, aftertaste, like all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it, it would behoove any, anyone that's, uh, going to start, uh, or would like to, uh, <coughs> get into, uh, drinking absinthe to, uh, go and actually, you know, like any other thing, become educated on the subject. You know, you don't go fire a rifle without knowing how to right. <laughs> load it and shoot I mean, it. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people kind of have done that coming to Maison Premier, but 
it's been it's been really cool. You know, I think that's kind of the demand of the community in Brooklyn and in um, you know a metropolitan area like New York, where um, cocktails are are kind of like standard form at this point. You know, and um, I feel like the public is ready for ready for that sort of thing, and so. Yeah, I mean, I still get a lot of people who are kind of unaware of what's going on, and I mean, that's I mean, I'm I'm the intermediary between the source and the and the public, so of -hmm. course, you know, that's my responsibility to speak to them about it. But a lot of the time, people are very excited just to participate, and you know, they're in for an education and they're in for a good time. They're in for ceremony, you know, like I said before, and uh, so that's really cool. As we were talking about this, we just loaded up the. uh, Can you describe the, the what we have sitting in front of us? Um, this contraption here has a lot of different names. Um, you called it last night a brawly, a brawly. And basically it looks like a teacup with four legs and, um, it kind of has this weighted bottom that teeters chilled water over an absinthe spoon, which has a sugar cube sitting on it. And it is, it is very ceremonial. It's really cool because the way it has two shoots as the water drips down through a hole of the bottom of this, uh, the vessel that's floating above the glass it has two shoots that teeter back and forth like he was saying and uh we're actually kind of like mixing these two techniques so typically the uh, sugar cube patrick martins is <laughs> standing behind the door staring us down he can't wait to get in here and try some apps <laughs> <laughs> um uh so typically what happens you have Different techniques for different countries, actually, for yeah. for uh, the the preparation of of absinthe, and um, there's like absinthe americano. Mm-hmm. There's like the Czech way, where you right. light the cube on fire, which is like the most terrible, yeah, despicable, and looked down upon by like the abs- professional absinthe yeah. community. The, um, the Czech way, like I mean, like for a while, Czech absinthe was pretty much like what you could get like exclusively right and that's kind of that's what people thought was like the the thing you know yeah. what it really was you'd get like the, you get absinthe like called the like from rouge rouge absinthe yeah. from from czechoslovakia like bright red you know yeah. like looks like wine punch type stuff and that's just so so far away from what it's supposed yeah. to be so you've got like different preparations going you know you've got the the spoon with the sugar the sugar actually the sugar cube with the uh, grated spoon then you pour the water over it um You've got these different techniques that suit different types of absinthe. Like, obviously, like, for grittier, like, kind of dirtier, like, rustic absinthe, you want to use the sugar cube to sweeten them, just like in the same way that they used to do with uh, with the original cocktail. I mean, like, right. you were you were sweetening the bitters, and then you were just throwing booze on it, you know? Right. Um, so, it's kind of like the same preparation. This, this device, actually, this contraption, I wish... This was a TV show instead of a radio show, so we could show this. Um, it's a really cool production going on here. Um, this contraption, I believe, was originally intended just to do water with absinthe, and then the uh, then with the spoon, right? You, you would put the sugar cube over, and you would take the fountain, right? Twist it, right. just drop it down very slowly. Yeah, uh, we haven't even said this on the show yet, but we have probably one of the most sophisticated absinthe what we call it right. a tower you know it's not a fountain we have an absinthe tower at maison premiere which is a um piece by piece replica of the absinthe fountain which once flowed at the old absinthe house in new orleans, in new orleans totally. and it's like a 150 year old uh design and um we took about six different contractors to figure it out everything from the piping system to like the patinaed uh spigots and 
um, all that, all that sort of stuff, you know, we kind of spent a lot of time figuring out how that worked and, um, it was inspired by the owner, Josh Boise and executed by some, some really great artists from Williamsburg. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, um, quite a lot of fanfare that, yeah. that, that comes with it. And I think that the absinthe tower really is a paramount representative of, of, of all that for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And in the, just the overall design of the place is amazing. Like even the beer taps. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I mean, Josh Boise conceptualized everything. And then, um, you know, we had some really fantastic people, um, from the neighborhood, like the, um, the McCormick brothers who, you know, they own Moto. Um, they did design at five leaves and hotel Del Mano. And, um, totally. so yeah, I mean, we've 100%. been lucky enough to have people like that with yeah. us. So, uh, can you tell us which apps, by the way, the studio smells amazing right now. <laughs> it's really bloomed and it's filled up the whole room. Um, can you tell us which absinthe this is? Yeah, absolutely. This is probably one of the best absinthe available in the United States. It's um, the master distiller, uh, Ted Bro, is uh, native New Orleans. Navid, na- native New Orleans. Nor- New Orleans? New Orleans? I can't even, Nor- I- <laughs> shouldn't have even tried to say that. Um, anyways, he is probably the... Uh, up-to-date authority on absinthe and he's been responsible for actually lifting the band in the united states um he was the uh writer of the recipe for lucid absinthe and he's still mm-hmm. part of that company he did the absinthe that we have now which is the jade nouvelle new orleans right um, this just hit the market like very recently. i don't know how long it's been around for i'm not i'm really not sure because lucid came on and they had like, he had the five other jades uh jade line yeah that were only available like through outside his website, yeah, yeah, outside of the United States. And this is one of them, and he's bringing in a couple other. He's got the CF Burger. Um, he has the Perique Tobacco Liqueur, which is an I absinthe, but, you know, like... It's so cool. He's just out there doing all these things he probably shouldn't be doing, but he's so good at it, and... Um, he's a mad scientist. He's a mad scientist. He was, there was a documentary, I think, was nominated for an Academy Award for, like, a short documentary about absinthe that um, he was a part of. But this absinthe right here is is really beautiful it's what's called a vert there's a couple different styles of absinthe that you can drink you have your verts and you have your blanches and vert is a very very popular and traditional style of making absinthe in france and then later on when you know productions started getting kind of funky due to all of the slander and all that and you know they moved to spain and switzerland and in switzerland they started making blanches you know and they sort of did that in order for people to kind of not know that they were drinking absinthe And um, but what he what, what Ted what Ted did here is just like a really traditional, really beautiful style. It won a silver medal, silver silver medal at the cheers, cheers. <laughs> at the international spirits competition in two thousand six. Oh my god, it's it's amazing, man. Yeah, it's a really it's really gorgeous. Um, it's got a lot of nice floral notes at the end. Yeah. Starts off, you know, light on the anise in the middle. There's just a really nice um, vegetable. Like yeah, the, it's got that nice citrus note to it. The fennel is really good there. I mean, I even yeah. get a little bit of white pepper off of it. Um, it's, you know, it's it's the standard. It's the traditional style. For and, which uh, others should be judged by. Exactly. And totally. we have it now in the United States, and it's available for distribution in stores and, you know, at bars like Mason Premier. And I know there's some, a lot of other places around the States that have it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for bringing this on the show and yourself onto the show. And uh, people, please go to uh, Maison Premier. Get a get a seat at the bar. See Max when he's there. What nights are you actually behind? Yeah, the Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, get there at six. We're open until four a.m. every night. And uh, you might see me running around. You know, during the week when I'm not behind the bar. You know, say what's up. 
You might see me running around there, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much again for coming on the show. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Maxwell Britton, Amazon Premiere, producer Jack Inslee, and this, I really want to thank this glass of that right in front of me. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. Yes, he's high. than a That cat is high. Look at that look in his Man, I wouldn't Whole Foods Market celebrates Earth Month with the Do Something Real Film Festival, a collection of six provocative character-driven films focused on food, environmental issues, and everyday people with a greater vision. Come see one of the six features at City Cinemas Village East from Saturday, April 16th through Thursday, April 21st, every night at 6 p.m. Learn more about the films and special events at www.dosomethingreal.com. That's www.dosomethingreal.com. Sponsored by Whole Foods Market. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Overhoffer, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m. on Heritage Radio Network. The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something, and it is delicious. The Fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your fairway honey today.